to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, today is a treat. I am honored to be in conversation with my next guest, a New York-based multidisciplinary artist who utilizes death, dissection, and science to create a stark and aggressive approach to visual storytelling. Please welcome Jenna Howard. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. And um, Of course. It's like, it's actually, it's China. But thank you for... Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> That would have been Please great. Please just tell the whole world to only call me that from now on. Uh, that's how it's going to be written in the show notes. Just so yeah, you know. Yeah, it's fine. So starting off, I want to again, thank you for coming on, making the time, um, spending a, this is a Tuesday, spending a Tuesday with me. Um, so I've been looking forward to speaking with you. And before we get into the the main event, you know, when the, the bell gets rung, we were talking a little wrestling before we got started. I want to give you the space to um, introduce yourself, maybe where I kind of maybe left out a few different things. And um, I have a point, you know, a bullet point after that, but I at least want to start off by giving you the space to introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I was born and raised in New York. I grew up in a neighborhood called Yorkville uptown. Uh, and I've been making art my whole life. I've been painting forever. I've been working in tattooing for about 10 years now. And I have been doing ceramics the last few years as well. And I just kind of bounce around a lot. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel like that answered yeah. my, my later questions, by the way, um, which I'm going to definitely ask again. But yeah, is, is we I always like to look at one of those like early experiences that some people say this is a formative, a seminal experience. But what was maybe your first experience when you were like recognized art, creativity, whether it is in the sort of macro sense as a person appreciating it or as a person like making it? When did you like first like realize or experience art? Um, it's a little hard to quantify that for me, I think, just because I literally have been drawing and painting as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. And I also grew up uptown. I grew up, you know, not that far from the Met. And so I was very exposed to art from a very young age. It was just everywhere. I mean, you can't grow up in New York and avoid it. And so I don't know if I have like a quantifiable big moment as a child. Sure. Um, but I think a big thing for me was mostly my grandmother really enabling me as a child and really like pushing it and supporting it. Um, my mother's mother would constantly take newspaper clippings and send them to me in the mail about galleries that she would want to go see with me. And anytime she would come visit, she would take me to the Met. She would take me to the MoMA. She would take me places. And as I got older, she was kind of always the one that was like, just fucking go for it. You know, like, you know, cause growing up here, I think especially when I was younger, pre-internet, there was always this idea that you had to like be somebody to be a successful artist. And I think she was the only one that was like, yeah, just fucking do it. Whatever. Um, so I think that was the catalyst for me at a young age was just having a really, really strong support in her yeah. and being like, yeah, let, let's just like take you to all the cool shows. Like she used to go take me to the gallery openings in Chelsea every time she would visit and stuff like that. So I think that was a big thing for me. That is, that's really cool. Um, I, it, it made me think of my grandmother actually. And it's, it's been a while that I've thought it, it, since I've thought about her in the context of like art. Um, when I was younger, I was a person that would draw, would try to draw comic books. And uh, it, I don't know if you remember the old wizard magazine. Yeah. Like, so I used to draw the covers of those. That's, that's mm -hmm. what I aspired to do. And I wanted to be a comic book artist and, you know, you're not really sure. One of those, those sort of um, moments when 
your 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 picture shows up on the with the magnet behind it on the refrigerator. I remember I, I went down. My grandmother used to like just always hang out in the den part of the the house, and she had like her little spot where she would nap at, and she had pinned up there. She was um, a seamstress. She had pinned up there with one of those small pins, one of my drawings. And I was like, that's better mm-hmm. than the refrigerator. That's like in the nap zone. That's that's a cool spot to have your 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 drawings at. So definitely, mm-hmm. you know, having sort of like, you know, that, that that feedback from someone that you care about, someone that you look up to and say, oh, well, you're you're supporting this. Go here. Go yeah. To the, yeah, let's do it. That's That's really cool. Yeah. So I think that was a big thing for me because I, I literally can't tell you a first memory I have of like painting for the first time or drawing for the first time because I, I don't remember it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I've, I've I've had ones that I think I did a mural when I was or worked on a mural when I was like a kid. And the only thing I remember, but I don't remember painting anything other than you're as a bespectacled person. I remember having um, getting paint on my glasses mm-hmm. and my parents were so tight about it because no one had money. And they're like, what is this art nonsense? Don't fuck those up. Right. And I've worn glasses since I was three. So it's just like, you don't get oh, glass- glasses are an adult thing for me. It's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so I, w- I want to move into a little bit going, it's, it's, it's a little going backwards, but I think there's more there because I gave the, the cut and paste. Mm-hmm. Um, describe what your current work is. Cause you know, multidisciplinary is so you're doing multiple things. And I was like, I need to limit how much time I'm going to be on your website. Because I was just like down there exploring. I was like, that's really cool. That's really cool. But, you know, describe your work in the, you know, the disciplines in which you're working. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've been painting my whole life. Um, That's always just been a constant, no matter what I'm doing. I always just kind of carve out a little bit of time here and there to paint. I did go to college for uh, illustration. I went to SVA. So I am like a very classically trained watercolor painter by all means. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's never been my main source of income. I rarely sell paintings. I've sold like, what, two paintings in the last five years. Like I don't really push it. It's very, very personal. And I would love to do more of it, but I've always kind of been forced by situations to just kind of figure out other means of making money. And I'm just one of those people that can't function with a nine to five. Uh, I tried when I was younger and it didn't work. So I've always figured out a way to maintain a creative practice in a professional sense. So I started working in tattooing uh, when I was maybe about 21, 20, 21, while I was in college. Because mm-hmm. um, I always was interested in tattoos from a very young age. That's another like byproduct of growing up uptown is that it has a really, really strong tattoo history. So I was just always exposed to it. And then I started going to hardcore shows in college and high school, even younger. And um you know, you can't go to places like that without seeing big, tough guys and tattoos. And I always wanted to look like one of those guys. So I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to get into that. Um, so that's been kind of my career for the past decade. And it's wonderful to be able to have a job where I can flex creative problem solving in mm-hmm. like a customer service way, because that's kind of just what it is. Um, and ceramics kind of came in recently um my mentor is a man named big steve and as long as i've been working for him which has been eight years now um he's been very very pushy towards me just like not being extremely narrow-minded about what i can do 
So when I started working for him, I wasn't painting that much because time and apprenticing and money and all of this stuff. And he was like, oh, your, your paintings that you do that are like your watercolor paintings are cool. You should, you should do more of those. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, you should do more stuff. Like you should just be doing stuff in your free time. And then I ended up making the perler bead stuff like five or six years ago, which was like a random 2 a.m. thought that I had <laughs> um, and then turned into a whole thing. Uh, and then he was always like, you should do sculpture. I feel like you would be really good at that. And I was like, yeah, I've always wanted to do ceramics. But, you know, again, apprenticing is time and money that you don't have. And so I started doing ceramics in my studio in quarantine. And it just kind of snowballed really fast. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Very, very fortunate for that, uh, which has literally financially enabled me to continue to learn ceramics while I've been selling them, which is all you can ask for in that situation. Um, so yeah, it just kind of all happened over yeah. time. So, so that's kind of it. No, thank you. Thank, that's, that's yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm missing, but it's pretty much like painting was always my go-to is always kind of my personal practice and everything else is kind of snowballed almost out of my control where I try something. And then I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm doing that too. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. So, do you do you see in 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 what ways maybe they they complement each other or kind of like maybe one skill let's say you know e e each discipline I, I would imagine requires like you to think differently you to solve problems in a different w um, way or approach it in different ways um, I, I remember it was a guy that was a musician and he was. Um, also cooking and he's like yeah you know being in the kitchen and having this sort of patience makes me a better guitar player. And I was always interested in learning, like, in what ways? It's like, oh, it's patience, it's dedication, it's doing all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that, that makes sense. So, you know, as a multidisciplinary artist, is there, like, maybe something that comes from a ceramic size that make you, like, look at painting from a different perspective or as a tattoo artist? Uh, I think yes and no. Sure. I think, yes, everything informs each other, obviously. Like, I'm hugely influenced by tattooers and the way that I approach watercolor painting, which isn't apparent, but is to me. And same thing with like how my watercolor painting informs my ceramics or vice versa. You know, there's a language between everything that I think kind of only makes sense to the person doing it and maybe other people too, but I think it's such a weird personal string of connections we all make in our brain mm -hmm. that they all inevitably form inform each other. It's all creative problem solving at the end of the day. It's all just... I have an idea, how can I translate it in the most concise form that whether or not the person seeing it gets it, it still makes sense. Uh, so I think, yes, they inform each other, but I also just think it's, it's also an age thing for me, I think. Um, I've been painting for so long that I don't second guess myself mm. anymore at all. That happened to me kind of in my mid to late 20s where eventually something started to click. I was so obsessed with having a style, especially when I was in college, because there were so many kids around me that just like had a cool style. And I was like, I don't have that. I don't know what the fuck they're doing that I'm not. Like, I'm just copying the references too. And I don't know, like, I don't know why to me it felt so out of reach. And then something clicked one day where I was like, oh, I do have a style. Okay, cool. It's just how I do things. Like, it's, I just need to stop being obsessed with that. And I think having that 
like longevity in doing one thing mm -hmm. really gave me confidence to just not second guess doing other stuff. Mm. So more so just like attacking it in the way that like, yeah, that just feels like the right thing to do right now. Yeah. And, and being realistic about what you can accomplish, I think is really important because obviously my ceramic skills are very green. Uh -huh. So all of it's very new to me and painting is my strong suit, which I can kind of translate into that. But for the most part, like I'm very inexperienced and green with that. But I also, I'm just like, I don't know. I can still make something look cool. And that's kind of all it is to me at the end of the day. Like I can trust my intuition about where to go with something. That's great. And I, I have two comments to make on that. One, um, it's one is a serious comment. The other one is goofy. The first one, <laughs> the serious one, uh, the serious one is, you know, you, you listen to, I, I read a lot of like art books, art theory, things of that nature, but more from the sort of pop culture lens. Like I'm really into this Rick Rubin book that came out. And I was like, this mm -hmm. is great. And one of the things that comes through in one of the books is like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. So by not knowing what you're doing, that opens up so many different things and so many different avenues yeah. and opportunities. And, you know, like earlier I was sharing, I did this video podcast and it was one of the first times I've used like um, uh, wireless mics um, in, in that particular brand. It's like, I'm testing them out. I just got them. We'll see what happens. And still having like, I know what I'm putting in. I know how I'm approaching it. And I know how I would go about this, but everything else, it's like, it's going to work out at the end of the day. But also, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, an expert in this. I'm really good at what I do, but I'm not an expert in it. And the second one, the second one is the goofier one. What shade of green is this green as you were describing in your, when it comes to your ceramics? What shade would you describe it as? Uh, pretty green. I am like constantly in awe of the shit that I see other ceramicists that have been doing this a lot longer than me. Yeah. I am just like, how the fuck did you get from A to B there? Because I'm just trying to, you know, make a vase and paint it. And the whole thing is a mess. And I just, I, I look at what other people, how other people approach ceramics. And I also, again, I think, you know, I am new, mm. somewhat green to just sculpture in general. Uh, I've really only ever approached things in a very two-dimensional way until the last few years. So for me, I also just inherently approach sculpture as a painter, which is a very jarring thing because I see what other people are doing and how they're approaching it. And I'm just like, how do you even think of that? Like, how do you get there? How do you understand it in this weird way where I'm just like, yeah, I'd like to make tiles that don't warp when they dry. <laughs> like, I'm just still trying to figure it out. It's amazing. So I, I think still greenish, getting okay. towards the yellow. I'm getting a little bit more comfortable hand building, so we'll see where that gets me. Okay, okay, I like that. Um, I, I was I was hoping for like I'm a, I'm more of a pea green at this point, or the green of my headphones. Yeah, like a nice puke green. We love yeah. a nice puke green. Yeah, who doesn't? I mean, that's what we do. Yeah, what we're here for. Spaceball. My nail lady gets mad at me almost every few weeks because I go in and I always choose what she calls the ugly colors. Which is usually just puke green. Well, I, 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 I think I did one weekend. I was being very weird. I, uh, I got that. What is it? The the taller the creator like nail polish, and I like did one of my hands, and it's like this black, but it's definitely a lot of glitter in it. And mm -hmm. I went to the office, and I have like 
have like a college job, like a day job in there. And I just noticed that someone was talking to me, just kept staring at my hand. It was like looking for meaning. And I was like, yeah, I did it purely for that purpose. I just want to like bug you out. That's what I'm looking yeah. to do. Why not? So I read that your work has been described, and I'm thinking it's more of the painting side, but you know, maybe yeah. so, so your work has been described as uh, sharp, to the point, hauntingly beautiful. I, I like I like all three of those. I like, where's the inspiration come from? And, and, and say, share some of the meaning behind like your work, like some of those those themes that you may return to return to. Yeah, I mean, all of it is I, I like those descriptions of my work because I like to think that I'm a very just to the point person uh, and I don't like to have fluff in what I say or what I do or any of that stuff. So I, I appreciate that. Um, and I, I approach painting like that too. I just, I want to paint the thing. I want you to see what I'm doing. I, I think that the negative space in my work is incredibly important to what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very intentional. Uh, my work, I would say on the painting side, which is my very personal art practice, um, most of it stems from, I would say just like childhood anxieties. I, you know, I was diagnosed with OCD at a very, very young age. And so I think a lot of it is me trying to just make sense of being alive Mm. and just my own experiences, uh, in terms of like what I witness in terms of my own connection to nature, my own connection to being from New York, my own connection to my own body, my connection to animals, all of that stuff. So I think for me, a lot of it at the very, very, very root of it stems a lot from just like a trying to make sense of being a person that is alive. Makes sense. And then on the next layer of it, there are a lot of stories that go into those pieces that are like just my own life experiences. Dealing with death is a lot of it. Um, I had a lot of unfortunate death in my young life. So I just kind of have carried that into my adult life. And the way that I understand how to make work is very just like making sense of things I don't know how to put into words, making sense of emotions that I didn't know how to deal with otherwise. Um, and as I've gotten older, it's it's bringing that into other things too. Just being a person, trying to figure it out. Thank you. That's a, yeah. that's a great answer. Just, you know, figuring it out, living life. Why am I here? I don't know. That's like, to me, that's like the most amazing form of, art making is I really appreciate artists that are just documenting what they're trying to make sense of. I think that that's just amazing. I, I don't have an, uh, I don't have an ulterior motive. I don't have anything larger to say with my work other than like, this is simply my daily or somewhat uh, trying to be daily action of like making sense of the fact that I'm a human that is alive, that has hands, that is trying to translate some kind of thought. Thank you. So let's see. I got a I got a couple more here. Um, this is this one is definitely. I want to talk a little bit and explore because I want to start using more artsy sounding questions. I don't talk like one of those people. You know what I mean? It's just not a. And neither do I. It, it, straightforward, straight to the point. You know. Um, yeah. So you know, could you describe like because I, I would imagine you know the different like disciplines require different things and going back to what we were touching on a little bit earlier, but the process is going to be different. So, you know, I, I know that that's a piece there and I really want to focus more so on like maybe what ways they're sort of similar. Like, you know, we have those different stages. We talk about like ideation, like where's an idea come from? And sometimes they hit you at the weirdest times. I know people talk mm-hmm. about, I need to keep a notepad in the shower. Cause that's when I get my best ideas. 
Um, yeah. I, I get ideas at like two in the morning and I'm like, all right, I got to just dump it out on the phone. Let's just do it. I just wake up mm-hmm. and just the Holy ghost of creativity is there, you know, visiting me. When do you, you know, talk about the process and a bit about sort of that ideation and the planning stage of like, I want to do something creative, which discipline makes sense here? What do I want to say? What am I aiming for? Uh, yeah, I, I think for me, it's a lot of writing. Yeah. Uh, I have a bunch of journals full of a bunch of nonsense that don't make sense to probably anybody but me. Um of like weird stories or weird experiences and weird thoughts that I have of like trying to make connections in my own brain. Um, And again, it's like those weird like connections that don't make sense to anybody else but ourselves, but like trying to figure out relationships that I have in my life with experiences or people or things or whatever. And I do a lot of writing of like how I feel about a thing or things that I see walking down the street, like how that made me feel versus how another thing made me feel. And then I also do a lot of research uh, prior to pretty much starting most paintings. Sometimes I just paint, but nine times out of 10, I really, really like to sit down and like, I have a bunch of, you can see I have a ton of books behind me. Yes. Um, I like reading a lot of like, eulogy passages allegories natural history books stuff like that and i like to kind of take sentences or take little clips here and there and just kind of ruminate them ruminate on them a lot and see what that brings in terms of like imagery that pops up in my head or feelings or circumstances so i do a lot of kind of preparation into paintings before I do them ceramics I'm not quite there yet I'm still trying to figure out where that's going to sit in terms of like my very personal art practice um but for my paintings I do a lot of just like reading and writing and ruminating and looking at images um I also have like a large amount of people now on the internet who just send me images of dead things that they find in public (laughs) well I, I've curated a very specific audience for myself on the internet where people are like, I saw this dead bird. Do you want a picture of it? And I'm like, absolutely. And then they're also like, I saw this Garfield beam. You want that too? And I'm like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Duh. That's like my intersection. Um, so it's also, you know, I don't know. I just, I do a lot of reading and writing. Well, thank you. That's, that's great. But it's not, it's not sensible. <laughs> I mean, we're we're all here for the. It only has to make sense to you, actually. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And um, it, it's it's funny. Like, I, I want to dive a little bit further into uh, um, what is it? Uh, dang, what's the name of the band? Uh, it's, it's, I'm a bad Baltimorean for not knowing this. Uh, it's it's David Byrne is who I'm thinking of, but uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna look this up right now. I'm gonna be a bad podcast. Why am I blanking too? Yeah. <laughs> um. The talking heads. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yep. It, and the whole stop making sense thing is just like, yeah, just kind of just doing this goofy thing. I have like anxiety. I don't want to get on stage. So I'm just going to get on stage and scream at people and exactly get through this. And I saw that in this maybe this documentary clip. And it's like, I want to go further into that because, you know, as a, as a person who encounters the stage fright thing and I find my way of combating it is don't prepare really 
just kind of like don't give yourself time to think and just have enough preparation there that you know what you're doing, you know who you're talking to when you're supposed to be there. But don't overly manicure it because when you get out yeah. there, it's going to fumble. And it's just like, I know that this makes sense for me. And that's just the way I have to go about it. May not It may not make sense in the future, but it this is the sense that it makes, I suppose. Yeah. And I, I will say I am not an artist who does. I know a lot of painters do small thumbnails and tons of sketches and all of that stuff before they do paintings. And I really don't do any of that because I was one of those kids that hated doing sketches in college. I so I just kind of go for it. Now, the same thing as that. Like I prepare some mm -hmm. idea for what I'm doing. I like to know what reference of animals. I like to know kind of what reference of which flower, which plant I'm going to do. I have a story as to why they match or what I'm trying to convey. And that's kind of as far as I get with it. And then I kind of piece it together as I go. Thank you. What would you say are two to three um, critical factors in visual storytelling? I think there's only one. Ooh, hit me. Hit me with it. It's just honesty. Say, this is why I like you. That was, that was a great answer. That's it. No, I stole that from somebody. I stole that shit. <laughs> so, okay. This is Spit a good it. story. Spit it. And anybody, anybody who likes tattoos that listen to this podcast will know what the fuck is up. And if they don't, they should. So there's this tattooer in New Jersey named Dan Higgs, who was a tattooer a very long time ago, does not tattoo anymore. But now is a musician that I'm sure a lot of people might recognize his name. He's a very, very brilliant multidisciplinary artist. And he tattooed way back when, like 80s and 90s. And he was super popular at the time, tons of interviews about him, but this all existed like pre-internet. So when I was in high school, and I don't mean like high school, I mean like eighth grade, seventh grade, back when message boards were still a thing, there used to be this message board called Last Sparrow. And it was like a tattoo message board. And I found it. And I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. And it was all of these like older dudes. This was kind of pre when people really gatekept tattooing because this was pre the shows. This was pre, you know, Instagram. This was pre a lot of the internet culture for what those people think is ruining tattooing, which I don't care. I think it's all great. But this was pre a lot of that. So a lot of those older guys in tattooing were on this message board and very, very much just shared shit with each other. Yeah. It was great. And there was a Dan Higgs interview. I have a vivid memory of reading. I had to have been 15 or something. And the interview at the end, he kind of asked the same question as you, where he said to him, he was like, what do you think the most important part of being a successful tattooer is? Because, you know, you are a successful tattooer. You've transcended all of these styles and everybody loves you. And you've made a huge mark on traditional tattooing and that whole style. And he literally said, it's the honesty between the person doing it and the person getting it. And I was like, holy shit, that's the coolest thing I've ever read. That's really cool. Right. Really cool. Yeah. He was like, he was like, look, and you to elaborate on that in terms of the way I feel about it, it's like, okay, you as a tattooer, you as an artist, you as a musician, anything, you know, your capabilities, you're confident in your skills you do things the best you can knowing your limitations. You don't, you're not dishonest about your limitations. Yeah. So you're not going to talk somebody into getting something you don't think that you can kill, that you can smash, that you can find a way to make really cool. And then the person getting it, it's like, you know, for lack of a better term, just like not following trends and getting something because you feel really enamored by it or that you feel drawn to it or whatever. But I think for making art, that's that has stuck with me my entire life. Where it's like, 
it's just about the honesty. If you're honestly making art that you feel compelled to make, or if you're telling a story you feel compelled to, to tell, then like somebody will relate to it. Somebody will find it and be enamored by it. Somebody will fall in love with it. To me, that's like, that's it. And and I, I, I think like this, this podcast and sort of like any conversation, I think, you know, we want to go, these young cats, they want to go for this sort of, this is the all encompassing everything. And it's like, no, it's an invitation to, to go deeper. It's an invitation to look more into something. I was looking up Dan Higgs and I was like, oh, he's from Baltimore. It's like, of course. He's, he's a cool guy. He's a really cool guy. He's made a lot of cool art of different kinds. And I believe still plays shows. Mm. I'm He lives in Asbury Park now. He's cool. Nice. But it's, I think it's it's also this sort of thing. I, I get really into experimentation and being able mm-hmm. to try different things and see like, all right, you know, I have the time, I have the energy, I have the resources. Let's, let's see what we can do here, whether it be trying something that's completely left. Like I, I'm in my studio right now and I'm looking at paintings that I did like six or seven years ago. And I had this idea that I was podcasting then, but also I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm going to do a painting you know, once a month and just dive back in. And I hadn't painted like probably in 20 years. And I was like, let's just figure it out. And just being able to explore without anyone corrupting it and saying, well, you know, you shouldn't do it that way. You should do it this way. And just really just trying to experiment, do it for, for fun. No, no other reason, just, just for fun. And in yeah. bringing it to it, it was some honesty in that. This is a feeling that is yep. uncorrupted. <laughs> That's, that's what it is. Yeah. That's all it is. So, I don't know. To me, that's, that is the most pure form of art making. It's just doing something that you feel like needs to get out of your body. It's that feverish, like, I can't exist unless I do this thing. I, and I, I try to pay special attention when there's something that makes me feel something. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, I got to hold on to that one. Let's let's explore that a little bit. Again, going to the whole invitation idea of let me go deeper into this. And when have I yeah. hit rock? So in, in in doing this and doing this whole, you know, series of interviews, it's like, oh, let me do this. And this is where I feel like it's going. Um, you know, it started off purely in Baltimore. And I was like, yeah, let's open it up. Let's see who's here. And let's see who's visiting and let's see who and with the boundaries and and so on and really ex- expand what it could be What this sort of podcast starting off as this as me being annoyed by something someone said about Baltimore. It was Trump talking shitty about Baltimore and saying like, all right, how can I disprove that? Because I'm petty and I like the truth, but also like how can I talk to people who are doing interesting work and kind of give them the space to share what they're doing on their platform? Because, you know, mm-hmm. we have a very sort of rarefied idea of who's an artist, who's creative and whose story matters. Yeah. Um, and everybody's does. <laughs> to some extent. Yes, it's a few. It's a few of them. Yeah. I slag off a whole genre of people. And I was like, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> we can do that between ourselves when we stop recording. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, was, I was immediately thinking of like scat artists. <laughs> I don't know why. That's a whole yeah, yeah, different yeah. thing. It's like. <laughs> some of the places I used to hang out early in Rob Cat, Rob Lee Land, it was a mm-hmm. different, it was a different situation. I was like, "That's how you make your art." All right. Hey, it's how you get to where you are now. 
seems German. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, this is the last, <laughs> I was very inside. This is the last uh, real question I have. And it, it relates back to materials. And again, with this, this, this notion of being a multidisciplinary artist. So, you know, how do you like go through the process of like choosing materials? Like, you know, does it expand or like limit the way that you go about your work? Like you were touching on a little bit earlier of kind of exploring working with, with beads. Right. And mm-hmm. um, then, you know, maybe it's a certain type of paint that you might want to, well, watercolor rather that you might want to use. Um, or there's a certain like style of material you use for ceramics that you want to use. And it's like, well, I can't really find that. So I got to maybe work in this creative space versus this other creative space due to the, the availability of resources. Does it expand what you're, you're, you know, you're seeking to do based on what you may have available or does it limit it? Um, I don't think there's a limit on anything for me. I, so I really grew up kind of going to hardcore and punk shows when I was very, very young. And so I think with that comes the kind of do it yourself DIY mindset in terms of like, if you want to do something, you can make it happen. I put out so many shitty zines when I was a teenager like using Xerox copiers and staples and they were horribly ugly, but they were cool. And so I, I think in my adulthood, I don't, I've carried that in, you know, where I'm just like, yeah, if I want to make something, I could just figure out a way to make it. Um, and I just use, I use a lot of YouTube. I just love YouTube resources for artists and I just watch people make things. And if I don't have immediate resource access, then I'm like, okay, well, how can I figure out a way to make it myself? Um, with painting, I've been doing it for so long that I have my immediate comforts. I like a certain type of paper. I like a certain type of paint. I like a certain type of paintbrush. I like a certain type of graphite pencil. Things like that are very much part of what I'm doing, but I also never closed off to trying new things. I, um, I'm actually going to be doing a residency at the end of the year where it's literally dedicated to paint. Yeah. And I'm freaking out because I'm like, I haven't touched oil paint or acrylic paint or tempera or any of these different kinds of paints since I was like in college and they forced us to do so. So, you know, and all of it's wildly expensive. I can't just go pick up every color of oil paint and paintings and, you know, gesso and brushes and canvas. So I'm really excited to have a chance to kind of flex a little bit in that and just see where it happens. Um, but I think in terms of like limitations, I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily see myself as being a limited resource artist because I've always just kind of made whatever. I dig it. And and I'm, I'm definitely, as soon as you said, you you couldn't see me because I don't have my video up, but yeah. when, when uh, you said DIY, I definitely fist pumped because yep. I, I think that's what it is. Like, you know, when I'm doing, I like, again, I like working with certain equipment um and i was touching on earlier i was like i don't know about this new equipment you know before we got started i was like i don't know about this guys and but you know figuring it out and always had this this philosophy of i'm gonna macgyver this shit and you know it's just like i'm gonna get audio out of it and it's gonna be cool and then if it's not we'll just figure it out it's figure like it out creative problem solving is a skill that i think not enough people realize that we all have it's just like oh, you gotta be put in a spot I mean, to do it. <laughs> youtube exists YouTube is literally, I, I don't even watch shows. I would just watch YouTube all day. Like, it's the best thing ever. I've learned so much stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> so it's like, yo, the resources are out there. And granted, I think a lot of people, 
especially in creative fields. And I know because I was victim to this when I was younger, get riled up into the idea that like there's a certain type of way to gain success in certain type of fields or that you need to use certain things to be seen as valid. You need to use high quality this, you need to use that, you need to go to this school or do that thing or whatever. All of it's bullshit. 100%. To me. You know, I went to college because I had the opportunity. I had scholarships. I, you know, lived in my parents the whole time I was in college and I really, really enjoyed my college experience. Um, but I also don't see as it's ne- it's just not necessary. Unless you're really trying to do something hyper specific, like be a doctor or whatever, but you know. Yeah. I'm not trying to do that. There, there's a there's a joke about that. It's like, I don't know if I want to have a doctor. It's like, ah, you know, I kind of just messed around. I was liberal for a little while. And then yeah. It's like, no, nah, no. Nah. I just did a little heart surgery for fun. <laughs> That's just a black market doctor. It's great. Yeah, that was, my dad tried to get me to be a surgeon and it failed. He went, you have steady hands. You should go to med school. And then I was like, mm, no, That's scary. <laughs> Yeah, I was. Uh, my thing was like, here you can, you should do business. You're good with money. I was like, I am, I am. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. I did business, but I'm not gonna stick yeah. to business. Uh, and here, here and there we are. A 38 year old podcaster trying to figure it out. Uh, so that's kind of the end of the real questions. And now mm-hmm. this is, you know, that was the main event for the guest. Here's the main event for me. Okay. I like to watch you guys squirm a little bit, and you know, things are weird. Oh, I'm a tattooer. You can't get weird with me. Just say it. Okay, fair enough. I got five <laughs> now. Rapid fire questions for you. Uh, okay. Don't overthink them. You know, okay. whatever the answer is, is the answer. It's like, I said what I said. All right. Mm-hmm. Here's the first one. What is your favorite flower? Orchid. Uh, I want to save that one for last because I, I know you have something to say. It's going to be great. Um, name, you know, two to three artists, and it doesn't have to be within any of the disciplines that you work in, but just, you know, maybe someone that you admire um, that's had an influence on your work. Dan Higgs. Ooh, painters. I like Francis Bacon a lot. I know mm. he's kind of an asshole, but I like his paintings. Uh, and Albert Durer is my favorite painter of all time. Sweet. What is something art related that is always on your person? Sketchbook. Okay. Uh, all right. This this is this is where this is where some people get caught up because they don't want to like have their inner inner darkest thoughts out there. Uh, so let's say it's a long, busy week. What is that go to? It's not healthy. It's not good for you. But what is that go-to, like, the cheesy, greasy goodness? Like, what is that go-to meal? Just like, I don't have a lot of time, but I need to eat something that's good. What is that meal for you? Oh, if I get home super duper late from work, I'm a big fan. So I'm vegan. I've been vegan for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. But they got these new fucking vegan cheeses that are always so good now. I make a mean like feta tomato spinach pasta that I can make in like five minutes. It's like my favorite midnight pasta dish. It's good. It's good. Yeah. I'll put like the whole fucking pack of the feta in there. <laughs> Lisa, were you one of those people that did that weird Instagram feta thing? What? Like the baked thing in the oven? No, my oven hasn't worked in two years. It's no. You turned real New York there for a second. I was like, okay, that, <laughs> was that was great. I was like, all right, because I'm going back up there in a few weeks. I'm going to be at like Chelsea in a few weeks. I was like, sorry, I, I'm an uptown Jew. My whole family's from here. I can't, can't escape it. 
that's it's a song lyric somehow there i don't know but i don't know yeah um, it's an alicia Keys song somehow that's that's great um let's see here's the last one um what is your hottest take <laughs> that, as, that relates to art uh do whatever the fuck you want See? yeah just trust just fucking trust yourself who cares the world's on fire make something pretty i guess you know what no my hot take is to unabashedly fucking support everybody that's a good take. i'm so fucking sick of people thinking that they somehow deserve a seat at the table nobody deserves a fucking seat at the table we all do mm. that's it nothing you've learned is original nothing you do is cool and interesting but for that reason, it's all fucking cool and interesting. This is true. You and know, I was thinking of Billy Joel, by the way, with the. <laughs> Instead of oh, no, no, don't let me in with a Long Island man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think even and maybe this is something on that sort of spectrum of, um, you know, you have like the chaotic neutral, all of that stuff. I'm more of the why is there even a table here? Instead of like a seat at the table, it's like, can we just get rid of the table? We all just said, just the table is a figment of our own creation. How about we all just fucking love each other and support each other and like prop each other up? And I don't know. I, I think that's another thing of like being in my 30s that I've come to the conclusion that I just, I don't have time to think about what other people are doing or to care why they're doing it, unless it affects me negatively, yeah. which, you know, rarely does it ever. But it's like, why, why the, f I just don't have the time to be concerned or to hold on to negative feelings about what other people are doing in terms of like the way it makes me feel about myself. Yeah. And for me personally, when I let go of all that shit and I just started being super fucking like loving and positive and granted, this is like, I can get into a whole thing with like capitalism and community and all of that bullshit. But once I actually started being like outwardly supportive to the fucking people around me, just unanimously, it all comes right back to you. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I had this this period where, you know, like I had extra bucks that came in. You know, I definitely when those when that Trump check came in, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to put this back into the community. I don't want to take this. But I feel like someone else could use that. So I was like, yo, what's your cash app? What's your cash app? And just sending like, yo, get yourself some supplies, do whatever you need to do with it, but keep doing your stuff. And, you know, obviously it could have been something I could have used you know, for my own practice. But I was like, not a community, the universe, whatever, it's going to look out for me. And this is, you know, a, a good deed. And I still do that on occasion because it's like, I've had really cool opportunities to do stuff and talking with people such as yourself, but really cool opportunities to do stuff. And it's like, all right, you know, I want to see, you know, people win. I want to see people do their thing. And, you know, when sort of, everyone is looked at and all of that good stuff. Like, man, who's really doing stuff? It's like, no, Rob is. Rob is helping people mm -hmm. out. Rob is an advocate for whatever. And that's never brought into question because there's a lot of people who will use um, arts and culture adjacent or whatever, but not really of it to try to use that for clout to get their thing over. And it's just 100%. like, nah, that's not the game. We, we're not doing that. Let, you know, support people or jog off, do something else. Yeah, unfortunately, we live in a world where capitalism teaches us to be in competition with our peers rather than to be supportive. Yeah. You know, community is the strongest thing we have. And if you don't actively build it, then you don't have it. Well said. And that's the spot we're going to end on right there. Mm, mm, um, mm, mm. Let you bullet point that one. <laughs> uh, so 
one, thank you for coming on to this podcast. Thank you. This was great. Um, and I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out, your work, social media, website, all of that good stuff, and maybe you can get a tattoo in the future. The floor is yours. Um, okay. So my name is Jenna. It's with a G. It's just Jenna. It's not Jenna. I promise. It's just Jenna. Uh, but it's with a G. It's G-E-N-N-A. Uh, so my website's jenna-howard.com. There's a bunch of stuff on there. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Jenna M. Howard. I'm on TikTok. I'm on all the things. Uh, I tattoo at a shop called Fun City in Manhattan. It's the most fun shop. It has the best stoop in the entire city. So if you don't even want a tattoo, just come in out and have a coffee on the stoop, especially during the summer. It's the best. Uh, I don't know. I make ceramics. I make tattoos. I make paintings. Bother me on the internet. I'm not one of those people that doesn't check my DMs. I check every single DM all the time. So I don't know. Talk to me. Tell me your weird mispronunciation of my name. I'm always flabbergasted at the new ones. I look, that's that's gonna be a that's gonna be a thing. Like if we can get like <laughs> five or six different new grossly mispronounced versions of your name, it'd be fantastic. I'm here for it. I haven't had a a really good new one. I I've been getting a lot of Gena lately, and I'm like. Mm. I don't know who names that. I'm white. It's simple. It's not like I don't have some crazy name. Janae. You know? <laughs> Janae, ch- Janae is chill. I actually haven't heard that one. See, boom. I already gave you one. She just... There you go. We got a new one. Yeah. Innovation. Yeah. Uh, so with that, I want to again thank Jenna Howard for coming on to the podcast and spending some time with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Oh,